Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week on the show, we talk with Jake and Britt from the guest cast on legalism and antinomianism, two views that misunderstand law and grace, yet many of us can fall into thinking these ways. Your life needs to be a balance of grace and truth. Grace to understand that we have been saved, but also truth of why have you been saved and what have you been saved from? Because we're being saved from something as well, and that's a life of sin and death. Hey, it's Isaac here. Hope you're all well. In Doubt, if you didn't know, exists to bring the gospel to the relevant issues of life and faith that we all face every day, cultivating conversation. Now, the primary way in which we do this is through what you're actually listening to right now, uh, a radio podcast show that looks into various topics of life and faith with a recognized Christian author, pastor, or leader, or someone like that. We also write articles. We produce Bible studies. Just head to our site to access all 143 conversations, plenty of articles digging into culture and faith, and our free Jude video Bible study for group and individual use. All this at indoubt.ca. Well, this week we have a great conversation with some friends of ours on really what it means to be a Christian in some sense. We talk about legalism and antinomianism. So here it is. Hey, it's Isaac. Glad you're with us this week. I have the immense pleasure of having with me again the guest cast. Hey, Jake. Hey, how you doing? I'm so good. And Britt. Hey. How are you guys doing? It's been three weeks. Lots can happen in three weeks. Anything new? That's been good. Not too much <laughs> new, but it's been good. How's school? Uh, good. Good. You know everybody loves school. That's, <laughs> everybody is just raving about school. It's the best time. Well, the first couple weeks of school are always, you know, it's new. It's a new semester. You got to pick your seat. You yeah. know what? No matter how old I am, there'll be at least one class where we're doing attendance and my voice will still crack when I say here. <laughs> here? Here? That's awesome. So I have a little quiz for you both. Kind of like an icebreaker. I know we Yikes. three are just always a little bit nervous around each other. So I just thought, you know, we need to cool off a little bit. Just get to know each other a little bit more. So here's a quiz I made up called Canadian City or oh, no. Celebrity Dog Name. So we're going to go back and forth. And I'm just going to say a name. <laughs> and you have to decide whether it's a Canadian city, oh, a real man. Canadian city, or a real dog's name owned by a celebrity. Cool? Okay. Sounds okay. good. So there's nine of them. So that means one of you will win. Uh, what do we even win? if, oh, it's a surprise. Hey, can we win one of those in doubt mugs? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, oh, done. Real Game now. on. All right, so we're going to start with you, Jake. So I'm going to say a name, and you have to guess if it's a real Canadian city or a celebrity dog name. Are you ready? Okay, yes, I'm ready. Okay, Esmeralda. City. Wrong. That's what? Anne Hathaway's lab. Come on, Jake. Okay. Obvious. Okay. Esmeralda. Okay. All right. Are you ready, Britt? Yeah. So you have zero right now. Okay. Miss Brittany. Flossie. Dog name. True. Drew Barrymore's Chow Chow Lab Mix. Chow Chow. Chow Chow? <laughs> That's true. So it's a Chow Chow Lab it's Mix? It's a Chow Chow Lab Mix, apparently. It's oh, a Chow Chow. I'm going to Google that. I don't know. Maybe. That's not even a real dog. Well, it's, it's something. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mix it's with a dog. Name. Okay, so Jake, are you ready? Yes. Wawa. City. True. Oh. It's a town. You because you could have three it's in a, a row. It's a town in Ontario. Uh, are you ready, Britt? So <laughs> what are you guys at? One, one? One, one. Okay, here we go. Uh, Brittany, meatloaf. Dog name. Yeah, it's Fergie's Dash Hound. So. Awesome. Also a singer. Wow. Yeah. What do you mean? Didn't meatloaf. Oh, that's true. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> 
<laughs> I thought you meant Fergie was also a singer. I was like, obviously yes, she is. Yes, she is. Are you ready? Jake? Yes, yes, I'm ready. Masha Boom. <laughs> Regardless of the answer, that's what I'm going to name my first dog. <laughs> Masha Boom. Uh, City. True. It's yes. A, it's a town in Nova Scotia. That's where so, I was born. Not Mushaboom, <laughs> but in Nova Scotia. That's good. Okay. You guys know how much you guys are scoring? I'm not two, keeping two. count. Two, okay. two. But um, she's ahead, though. Are you ready? I think so. This is a two-worder. Punky Doodles Corners. <laughs> Dog name. Wrong. That is a town in Ontario. Oh, I shit at the corners. Punky <laughs> Doodles Corners. Punky Doodles are you ready, Jake? Sounds like a show. Are you ready? Yeah. Finger. <laughs> Dog. Wrong. No! Uh, Finger Manitoba. Uh, you should go there one day. Uh, okay. Are you ready, uh, Miss I'm Brady? getting nervous. This is it. This this is really big for you. This is the one, right? Okay. Noodles. Dog name. That's true. Kelly Osborne's dog. Obvious. That was an easy. Okay. Are that you ready? An easy one. Are you ready, Jake? Yes. God, this is it, man. Honey child. Honey child. Honey child. Dog. Nicole Richie's Shih Tzu. Well done. Wow. So did you guys tie? We tied. We tied. You couldn't. It was nine. It was, there was he nine. Got, I just no, want to say, Jake. I got one more question. but Oh, oh. he got one more question. We both uh, got Doesn't matter. Oh. Doesn't matter. Because we tied. And now we both get mugs. Yes. Cool. Can I guys... get, hey, can I get two mugs? Because I think there was a time when I volunteered for an in-doubt event and then I never got my mug. We're not going to talk about that. But hey, did you guys enjoy that uh, quiz uh, to really break the ice? That was that good. Was you know did what? you actually think that up? I did. Did you really? Well, I was inspired uh, from another. Go. Here's the story. <laughs> I, no, I was just I was inspired by another podcast, and they had a similar quiz. So I that just was thought, a good one, though. I like that. Yeah, it's Canadian names or um, or celebrity dog names. Anyways, I'm glad we all enjoyed that. I'm glad you enjoyed that too. Got a little laugh. But anyways, we're not going to talk about dogs or dog names or Canadian cities at all. We're actually going to be talking about legalism and antinomianism. <laughs> And sort of this idea of criticalism as well and carefreeism. Let me just first start by giving a definition of both so that we're kind of all on the same page. Just a baseline definition of both. And if we want to add to them, we can. And I got these short definitions from Theopedia online. It's like a theology encyclopedia, all right? So here's legalism. Legalism in Christianity is a term referring to an improper fixation on law or codes of conduct for a person to merit or obtain salvation, blessing from God, or fellowship with God with an attendant misunderstanding of the grace of God. Simply put, legalism is belief that obedience to the law or a set of rules is the preeminent or like the all-perfect principle of redemption and or favor with God. Uh, antinomianism comes from the Greek meaning lawless. In Christian theology, it is a pejorative term for the teaching that Christians are under no obligation to obey the laws of ethics or morality. Few, if any, would explicitly call themselves antinomian. Hence, it is usually a charge leveled by one group against an opposing group. So no one says like, I'm an antinomian, in the same way that someone doesn't say, I'm a legalist. People call them those things. The last part of the definition yes. is antinomianism may be viewed as the polar opposite of legalism. The notion that obedience to a code of religious law is necessary for salvation. In this sense, both antinomianism and legalism are considered like wrong extremes. So when thinking of antinomianism, the one thing I would add, and you might add this as well, is I think people that tend towards antinomianism, the reason why they're not following the ethics, biblical ethics or Christian ethics is based on this fact of, because they're Christians, so they they believe that the gospel has given them grace, and therefore, they're free. 
their spirit is secure in Christ, mm -hmm. and they get to sort of do what they want. Yeah, it's a, it's a free grace theology. Yeah. Really is what it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. But, like, that's it's an interesting true, yeah. thing because I think more on the antinomianism side, people are okay with being that. Right. I think more so. And like they may even re refer, maybe not that way. I've never yeah. thought, I'm antinomian. <laughs> like it's like, oh, you're Probably. an alien or something. <laughs> um, but I think people are more so on the positive side of that than they would be like, I'm proudly legalist. Or no. maybe they are. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I think they're proud in what it means sometimes, okay. but they're not proud in, like, calling them. They don't want to call they don't themselves want the, that. They don't want the term. No one wants the term. No. They're always labeled by the uh, opposing, opposing party. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. But those two definitions that we have, we're comfortable with those. That's what we're talking about. So if you're listening, when we talk about legalism and antinomianism, that's sort of what we're talking about. Now, I added this idea of criticalness and carefreeness because I think people, we could talk about this, I think people who tend to legalism become or are already innately kind of just critical a little bit. And we can talk about that. Maybe, I, maybe I'm judging too much. And then those who tend to be, you know, uh, on the antinomian side are a little bit more carefree. Would you agree with that? What, what do you think? I think your personality type has a lot to do with this. Because I, in general, I love structure. I love structure, which also means I probably tend towards the legalist side much more <laughs> um, because I, I like that. But also in my natural person, I'm also just more critical of people. And I think on the other side, you probably get people who maybe are, are less about that structure and it's right. just sort of this free-flowing, I love him, but I can sort of do what I want right? and that sort of thing. There may be something with autonomy there, like a real love for that autonomy and being able to do what I see is right. Um, or what I want to do in, in, in that kind of headspace. Yeah. Uh, again, those are generalizations. Well, for sure, though, for yeah. sure. I think there are definite, I don't know if it's personality, or I don't know if it's the whole idea about how we are motivated, like what motivates us, because some people are very externally motivated or extrinsically motivated, and other people are internally or intrinsically motivated, right? Some people are like, I have to make all these cuts in work or whatever in order to know that I've done a job well done, right. right? And other people are like, I know that I tried my hardest inside and I did the best. And even though it doesn't show on the outside, I know I did my best. Mm -hmm. And they can feel satisfied in that. You know what I'm getting at? People are motivated differently. Different ways. Differently. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a personality thing or if that's just yeah, like an ingrained by society thing. I think part of it too can be where you're at. I think in general, if you're surrounded by a bunch of Christians, it's probably easier to be a legalist. You know what I mean? And be the person like, oh, look at me. Like, I follow all this sort of stuff. And you should be following this sort of stuff. And like, because you're right. a Christian too. Part of the However, culture. when you're out in society, in secular society, it's probably a lot easier to be antinomian. Because it just, it seems more gracious. It seems more attractive. Again, because it's just sort of like Jesus will save you. And then what you sort of do after that maybe doesn't have much hold on, on that. Right, mm -hmm. right. Um, so it seems maybe a little bit more friendly. Well, I think, too, I wasn't around 60, 70 years ago. But what I've kind of heard and what I've kind of understood is that, let's say back in like, I don't know, the 40s, 50s, 60s, a lot of churches were very fundamental. They were very, you know, you have to do these things. And we get ideas of like, you can't dance, you can't smoke, you can't do these things. It was kind of legalistic. Their hearts may have been in a good place. I think I'm not thinking that every single pastor, every single parent was, you know, extremely legalistic in their views, but 
they were saying these things, but now there's been this pendulum swing where any thought to do something like not going here or not doing this thing, people get scared and they put up their, you know, their exes saying, no, that's legalism. We can't have that at all. Like there's freedom in Christ. And, and I understand the heart behind that, but we, we sway. So what were you going to say a little earlier, Britt? Well, I was just going to say, I think I'm glad you defined these two words at the beginning because I think oftentimes, especially with legalism, it is perceived wrongly in the church because that label is applied wrongly in the church. Absolutely. So somebody who is trying to abide by, you know, the Gospel of John where Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Right. Someone who's trying to abide by the law of God often gets that label. Oh, you're a legalist, you know. Oh, you're abstaining from alcohol. Oh, you must be a legalist or that's such a legalistic attitude, you know. And so we often, I've seen that in the church where people who have certain convictions, biblical convictions, are often accused of being legalistic, you know. So, But if they really knew the term legalism and if you knew that person, then you'd know that they're not doing those things to try to merit or try to make up salvation or acceptance with right. God, they're doing it because that's what God's told them to do. And they want to, they're loving God. They're not doing it to earn something. They're doing it because out of love. Out of love. It's motivated Absolutely. out of love. And I think too, though, as you see that on the opposite side, there are Christians who love God and their conscience is totally free to drink alcohol. And they're not getting drunk. They're doing it out of a free conscience they're not doing it and making other people stumble. They're Maybe they're enjoying a glass of wine once a week or something with their spouse or their family or by themselves. Or who knows? But when you, when some Christians see them doing that, they could jump to, oh, wow, they must not really care because alcohol is so dangerous because you might get drunk and, and things like that. So I think it can go both ways. We can label yeah. people and we don't really know, right? Yeah, I think there's definitely extremes. Like constantly in the Bible, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and yeah. they're the most legalist of the legalists. Yeah. And he's going like, this isn't right. There is an aspect to them yeah. where they're very extreme, where they are merit-based. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not doing this, then you're you're an you're outcast out. and we shouldn't be around you. And Jesus, you shouldn't be around them yeah. as well. And there are people on the other side of the extreme too, yeah. um, where it doesn't matter if I sin. Right. Like it doesn't matter. Right. Because I'm forgiven by Jesus and I'm under grace. So I can really do whatever I want. And I know I have friends like that. Yeah. Like who probably aren't, and I'm saying this, they're not <laughs> very well involved in the church. They're just kind of like, oh, I'm Christian and I'm doing the like the quotes around that. Yeah. And they're like, I love Jesus. So it doesn't matter what I do because I'm saved. Right. Um, yeah. So there are people on those extremes as yeah. well. That, that's good. Both are extremes. Yeah. I think we, we have come to that understanding. But I think it's kind of interesting. If you had to say, you know, this aspect of legalism or this aspect of antinomianism is good, what would you say? Do you know what I mean? So, like, if you if you had to see something in those that you can be like, okay, even though it's flawed, this this thing can be good or can be redeemed. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, God has given us the Ten Commandments, right? So there is a written law of God that is biblical and it's good. And it's ultimately for our good. Like we often get all bent out of shape. We're like, oh, we have to keep these laws. And well, the reason God, you know, established those laws was so that we wouldn't get hurt, you know, to protect us, to give us the fullness of life that he designed us for. Absolutely. So there is that aspect where, you know, yes, God has commanded us to to try to keep his commandments out of the love we have for him like we already talked about. And legalists at least try to do it. They do, absolutely. (laughs) So good on them for trying, you know. 
But with the with the other side, in, in Paul talks about in Second Corinthians the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. So there is, and Jesus came to totally abolish the letter of the law that the Pharisees were trying so hard yeah. to keep, right? And he's saying, you know, it's so much more about the inside than yeah. the outside. So, and that's where that whole idea of the spirit of the law comes in because God cares about our hearts. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. care about our outward actions if our hearts aren't aligning yeah. with that, which is such a tricky thing because no one can see our hearts except for God. So yeah. we always judge the outside because yeah. that's all we can see as humans. Yeah, I think there's definitely really important points to both sides. I think when you're on the legalist side is the really important thing there and, and an incredible gift that we have as Christians in this belief is that we have a sense of objective morality. Like we know what's good and what's not good. Like Because I think the majority of people who are on the other side who are antinomian, I'm, I don't think they're arguing that the sin is good. Right. There's still bad things. Right. What they're arguing is maybe you're, you're just not condemned for them or you're under grace and you don't. Exactly. So it's yeah. not that we don't believe that these aren't like that they're good. Right, they're still right. bad things. And I, and I don't think we want to do those things because they're like Bert was saying that God has done this for our good. Yeah, yeah. Like they're not rules because he's like because he's a legalist and he just likes to see us not do stuff. Like yeah. he's done it because he cares for us and following his description or, or these things for our lives it, it leads to our good. Yeah. On the other side, however, what we need to understand is that it's not about merit. We're not saved because we earn it. I'm not saved because I follow all of these rules. Right. Paul talks about that as well. He's like, the law doesn't save you. The law condemns you. Yeah. And that doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but it doesn't yeah. have the power to save you. And who has the power to save you is Christ. And it's because of his sacrifice and because of grace that you're saved. Yes, absolutely. So that's really important on that side too. I like that. Well, and I think there's a difference also, I mean, they overlap, but between salvation and also sanctification. Salvation is absolutely by grace alone. Jesus' blood has saved us. There's no amount of good behavior that we can do to save ourselves, just yes, like Jake was saying. Absolutely. The Bible is laden with that truth. Yeah. But those outward things that we strive for in accordance to God's law is a part of our sanctification. Yes. You know, it's a part of our becoming more like Jesus, right? And and again, we always have to bring it back to these this is for our good and the good of other people. It's to serve to serve yeah. others. You know, the more Christ-like we become, the more we are able to serve other people and love other people like Christ loved them. Yeah, that that's awesome. What is the sort of the middle way? Is there a middle way? What is the right view of understanding God's commandments, mm -hmm. but also understanding grace? Yes. And freedom in Christ. That is the question. That is the that question. That is the big question. How do we do this? Well, legalism is the way. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, that's the middle. There is no middle ground. Um, no, there is. I think there is. Again, this is coming from me, and I hope people understand that because there's always going to be something I say that maybe people are like, oh, I don't know about that, and that's okay. Um, but I think there is. I was listening to a conversation, and I think it was between John Piper and Tim Keller, and they were talking about sanctification and all this sort of stuff. And, and Tim Keller was saying, he, he came with his line, which I like a lot. And I'll sort of like explain this after I say it. He said, we're saved by faith alone, but not by a faith that remains alone. Mm -hmm. And I think the really important thing for a, a Christian in their life is your heart behind what you do. And I definitely believe that my actions are not what saves me. However, um, I think there is a, a certain kind of relationship or love that makes it real. If that makes sense. And what I mean is if I say that I love you, there's certain things that 
you would expect would come along with me saying that I love you. Right, of course. You wouldn't buy it if I said I love you and then I did all these bad things to you or I didn't care about you or, you know, all these sort of things. There's a character to love that with it, like sort of necessarily comes along a certain attitude and certain behavior with that. And with that relationship with God, that doesn't mean that's what saved me. I don't understand really how can it be like an honest, like loving relationship with God if you go in and you say, oh, I love you, but then I won't do anything that you ask me to do. It doesn't matter what you want me to do and all this sort of stuff. So yes, we are saved by grace, but we're also called to a life in Christ as well. That doesn't earn us that, but it comes along with that, I think, in that relationship. And I think that's where we need to be. I think it's Augustine too. And he was talking more about speaking, but I think this is true to the, our lives as well. He says that your, your life needs to be a balance of grace and truth. Mm. And it needs to be a balance of grace to understand that we have been saved and all this sort of stuff, but also truth of why have you been saved and what have you been saved yeah. from? Because we're being saved from something as well. And that's a life of sin and death. Yeah. And we don't get saved to continue on in a life of right. sin and yeah. death. That's so good. Yeah. And James says that too. Yeah. I was just looking here. He says, some of you will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Yeah. They have to go hand in hand. Yeah. We can't separate them. We can't say I'm all heart and no deeds or, you know, and I'm all law and no heart. And that's why Jesus came, you know? And I think the only way that we can find the balance is by continually coming back to scripture and looking at Jesus yes. and seeing how he did it. Yeah. Right. That's so he good. has the perfect balance always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all we can do. Yeah, totally. I, I think like with that, uh, that's great. Like, and I was just, I actually have James up on my phone right now too. And I was looking at that because it's great when you're talking about this sort of stuff to look at James. And I think the deeper you fall in genuine love with Jesus, the more you realize what you've been freed from. I think the, the life follows on from yeah. that. Cause I think, it's this thing, as you know Jesus more, I think naturally sin should just seem like this thing in your life that's just, I just don't want that, yeah. you know, like, because I want Jesus and he is the polar opposite of this sin, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and he's goodness and he's grace and he's mercy. And I love him and I want that. and I don't want this stuff anymore. Yeah, that's so good. I think if your life is still craving sin and you're using grace as a reason that this is OK, then then I think there's an issue there because we shouldn't be craving sin. Yeah. That's so good. Thanks, guys, so much. That was that was a lot of fun. I think the moral of the story is that Jesus demonstrates the perfect uh, understanding of someone who understands grace, someone who understands love and all those things, but also law and obedience. We see Jesus in the Gospels condemning the extreme legalists, but also tells people go and sin no more. If, you're, if your hand causes you to sin, chop it off, throw it away. I mean, to the world, that could look very legalistic, but mm-hmm. he still commands it. And I think a challenge for those who tend to legalism is gospel, gospel, gospel. And to the antinomian, gospel, gospel, gospel. I think that's the best challenge. But anyways, to conclude, I just want us to quickly consider some questions that can determine or really speak into whether you tend to legalism or antinomianism if you still are kind of unsure. Um, And we get these questions implied from Acts 2. Now, reading about the church in Acts is exciting, right? But it's also convicting. You know, comparing the church then with the church now can be quite the contrast. Um, This isn't to say that the church in Acts was perfect, obviously, um, but it definitely represents a church that was unashamedly denying themselves, picking up their cross, and and following Jesus. So let's just consider Acts 2, 42 to 47. And these six verses early in Acts give a brief summary of how the church operated. But 
instead of merely just listing out the characteristics, I want to present them as questions to ask yourself. So the first is, am I devoting myself to good teaching from the Word of God? Am I devoting myself to friendships among other Christians and making an effort to gather with them? Am I devoting myself to participating in the Lord's Supper with others? Am I devoting myself to prayers, both with the church and by myself? Am I finding myself in awe of the Spirit's evident work in the church? Am I conscious about the needs of brothers and sisters in Christ around me, whether physical, spiritual, or emotional? Does my financial budget look different than the world's? Am I daily finding myself worshiping God and fellowshipping with others at the gathering point of the church, in others' homes, or my home? And am I doing this gladly and generously? You know, going through these questions regularly is, is actually helpful. What it can do is help bring you back to what the church should look like. However, it's not just about looking like the church in Acts. It's about being the church. There are some, you know, things a Christian must internally understand and believe before a real commitment to and progress of living out the church can happen. And this is where we connect with the legalism and antinomianism issue. See, before Luke gives the summary of the early church, he explains uh, the sermon that Peter gave at Pentecost and the outcome it had on the people. And from this explanation, uh, I have four key kind of characteristics that give evidence of a true Christian. One that I would think walks not in legalism or antinomianism, but in a, in a good kind of middle way. So there again, they're stated as questions. Number one, do you have true remorse for your sin? Uh, do you understand the you know, the exaltation of Jesus and the infinite chasm between his perfection and your imperfection? Have you repented and received the grace of God found in the gospel? Do you desire holiness and to be set apart from the world? If you said yes to each of these, then you're definitely on the right track. Now, like me, you probably forget these constantly, but there's at least the knowledge that these are true and it's ultimately where your heart's at. Now, if you said no to some or all, then take some time to consider the gospel. In fact, whatever you answered, let's let's consider the gospel together. And I, I tried to summarize the gospel in one sentence. It's not perfect. It's a working definition, but I tried. This is the gospel. When all people were spiritually dead in sin, unable to reflect the goodness of God because of their unbelief, God revealed his goodness in purifying and saving sinners by grace through faith, accomplished righteously through the death of Jesus Christ, given as a sacrifice that took the condemnation and death they deserved on their behalf. There's no room for legalistic or antinomian heart there, only faith that leads to a love-motivated obedience. And when thinking about this gospel, that it wasn't you who earned your salvation, it's just so humbling. You know, legalism breaks down when considering this gospel. Antinomianism breaks down as well when considering this gospel. It's almost as if the way to remain steady without swaying to the legalism side or the antinomian side is to simply preach the gospel to yourself regularly. It's amazing how often I, and I would think others, don't regularly or routinely discipline their minds to work through the gospel. You know, we're missing out on so much when we go day after day without remembering the truths of Jesus, the cross, our sin, and our salvation. So do this with me today. Preach the gospel to yourself. This wraps up our time for today. If you're interested in financially supporting this ministry, even if it's just five or ten bucks, uh, it would mean a lot. We rely on God's provision for this ministry through the generous people who donate. We give away all of our ministry content for free, and even though it costs us lots to run it, to produce it, to create it, etc. Would you perfectly consider partnering with us this way? If you do, and you feel like it's something you'd like to donate to, then it's really easy. Just click the donate button and follow the simple instructions at indoubt.ca if you live in Canada, or indoubt.com if you live in the States. 
Also, make sure to connect with us online throughout the week. Perhaps you have a, some thoughts on today's show. Maybe you disagree with Jake or Britt or myself. You can tell us about it. We want to have conversations. So you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas for guests or topics, then let us know. You can direct message us or email us at hello at indoubt.com. Well, I'm Isaac. I'm Jake. I'm Britt. And next week, we talk with Jonathan Moreau, a Christian apologist on truth and tolerance. We'll see you next week. In Doubt Ministries exists to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life and faith that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indoubt.ca if you live in Canada and indoubt.com if you live in the U.S.